this podcast is kind of a way for us to strengthen our ability to just be ourselves and just be confident in who we are. Welcome to the Emotional Self-Reliance Podcast, exploring wellness tools to empower achieving your fullest potential. Your host is Sarah Price Hancock, Certified Rehabilitation Counselor with an Advanced Certificate in Psychiatric Rehabilitation and a Trained Peer Support Specialist. So let's discuss Emotional Self-Reliance with your host, Sarah. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Emotional Self-Reliance Podcast. I'm so happy to be back with you, and I just want to apologize for my absence. I have to admit that this podcast truly is a test of my own emotional self-reliance. So let me just explain my absence. Two weeks ago, or last week, I recorded an episode which was fantastic. It was episode nine, all ready to go. And then I got up and went and made dinner, came back, and Audacity had crashed, which really extinguished my burning desire to publish an episode. Now I am getting back into the saddle. So I appreciate your patience with me, and I am so sorry, but I'm working on it. And I really sincerely appreciate all of my listeners and my loyal audience for being so patient with me. Here we are, episode nine. Yay! We're continuing the Wellness Recovery Action Plan series. In the last episode, we spoke of the daily maintenance plan and uh, recognizing our triggers. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing recognizing our early warning signs and uh, when things are breaking down and creating a plan to help us through that. Before I get into that, I kind of want to get into some housekeeping efforts, I guess we call it. Um, I just wanted to let you know that my website, psychrecoveryandrehab.com, has been updated to include a couple blog posts that are specific to recent appearances that I've had on other radio shows, like Dr. Peter Bragan's Radio Hour, and also on the Latter-day Lives podcast. That was an interesting podcast because I wasn't completely clear that day and I was having problems with dystonia. I am not used to sharing my experience in an environment where I can completely freely talk about my spirituality and that aspect of my life and how it relates to mental health. And I guess the reason why is because for nearly two decades, I was so entrenched in the mainstream mental health system that they really frown upon having spiritual experiences or um, having any kind of ability to pray to God or actually receive an answer. And so I learned not to share those experiences over those two decades because I was always either living in an inpatient unit or living in a long-term residential care home or living in a uh, institution or just talking with counselors, talking with case managers. Those were primarily the only people I had to interact with for, especially for 12 years of those two decades. And so I gradually learned that if I didn't want an increase in the dose of my medication, I had better not talk about anything related to spirituality because 
of my diagnosis, they assumed that anything spiritual was some kind of psychosis or delusion. And I just, I'd worked so hard to find what I believed in and establish my values growing up that it was actually very traumatic for me to have people constantly questioning my spirituality, constantly questioning and telling me that you can't receive answers to prayers and, you know, those kinds of things. And so I just completely stopped sharing those experiences with people. And to have the host of the Latter-day Lives podcast honestly want to know about my experiences from my perspective, he created such a safe environment that I felt like I could share those with him. Then afterwards, I felt extremely vulnerable and I felt extremely worried that maybe I said the wrong thing or I said too much or, but I chose to just put it out there and run with it. And I'm so grateful for the many of you who have reached out to me and thanked me for sharing my experiences. I know even a lot of people who aren't even members of my church chose to listen to my experiences. And that really means a lot to me because I think it's an interesting experience when you're given the free reign to truly be yourself and to truly express yourself. I think so often we talk or we hear about people being closeted for their identity, for example, with the LGBT community or You know, I know I felt like I lived in a closet for a long time when I was in graduate school, not wanting to share my diagnosis with people or meeting meeting new people. I didn't want them to know about my original diagnosis or my history because I wanted them to get to know me. And so creating an environment for myself where I feel safe to share these experiences is an interesting evolution, we'll say, (laughs) because I know I can say whatever I want on my podcast, and I want this podcast an appeal to a wide variety of people, but I do have to be true to myself. Anyway, that was a totally long tangent. I'm going to get back on track here, but you can find the uh, episode for the Latter-day Lives on my website um, under the blogs, and then um, I will also be having other updates on there as well. I know I have the uh, episode of myself and Dr. Bragan, and I'll be putting up another episode of someone else. I was the very first guest on a brand spanking new podcast called Boss Talk, so I'll be putting that one up as well. And then let's see. Oh, I also updated it because I've been teaching virtually to universities, and I had the opportunity to teach at Southern University in Baton Rouge, via Zoom. And it was so fun to be able to talk to excited students about psychiatric rehabilitation and recovery. And we actually have the discussion was on psychotic spectrum disorders and understanding the diagnostics or, you know, how to recognize if someone is experiencing those symptoms, then what we can do to help support them. Um, In this case, I was talking to rehabilitation counselors. So it was so much fun to be able to speak to a university on practically the other side of the nation. So if any of you are universities or organizations who are interested in learning more about mental health and how to support people who live with mental illness, go ahead and reach out because I do guest lectures and I have a lot of fun doing them. I thrive in front of a classroom. 
or so my mentor says, but I do. I love it. It gives me energy. Oh, another exciting thing that's coming up is I am in discussions with a publisher. We're putting on the final edits of a book that I've put together specific to employment and helping people find employment. And it's a workbook. It's called Daring to Dream with Essential Tools for Finding Employment. And so that will be published through the Y Mountain Press. And I'm going forward with that. I'm just putting the final touches and the edits, final edits on that. So that should be available by the end of March. Yay, I'm so excited. Let's see. I want to, of course, thank each of you for taking the plunge and downloading this podcast. And perhaps you heard about it from someone else, or perhaps you heard about it from social media, but I just really wanted to thank you for, for, taking the plunge and just listening to this with me. I spoke with my son yesterday. I call him my bonus son because I, when I got married, I inherited four teenagers and he's the youngest of all of them. And he's the youngest twin. And I had a good discussion with him and he's like, Sarah, I really enjoy your podcast, but sometimes I just get lost in all the terminology. And I was like, yeah, I probably speak with a bunch of lingo. And so I'm really, I'm really sorry if that's the case. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on making this podcast more available and more easy to understand for anyone who listens to it. Because we all have friends or family or someone that we know who has experienced mental health symptoms, or perhaps you have experienced mental health symptoms. And this podcast is kind of a way for us to strengthen our ability to just be ourselves and just be confident in who we are. And so it really doesn't matter if you've never experienced symptoms and you're choosing to listen to this podcast, or if you're just listening so you can better understand maybe how to support someone that you know or someone that you love. I mean, there's so many reasons that you can listen to this podcast, and hopefully I can share something with each of you that or at least speak to your heart. I always start out this podcast sharing three things that went well in my own life and an explanation as to why they went well. That is a daily exercise that I encourage you to continue doing. Here are my three things that went well, and I'm actually going to share with you four things that went well because I have not made an episode in quite a while, so I was having a difficult time trying to determine what I wanted to share with you. So here goes. Number one, I sat with a mentor to develop my business plan, which was very helpful. It was helpful because I'd worked to prepare myself for the meeting, and this volunteer was experienced in entrepreneurship, and he was insightful, thought-provoking, and really had some really good ideas. I also have another mentor who's amazing, and she's been checking in with me and seeing how my progress is going. I'm just really grateful for her because without her, I would be trying to hammer this out on my own. And that's not always the most fun place to be in. Number two, I presented my story at a local group home for people who live with severe mental illness because another mentor found value in my experience and invited me to share. And number three, this is so exciting. I spoke with Ellen Sachs. She's like one of my heroes, just a total aside. She lives with Um, some of the symptoms that I've experienced, and she is a professor of law and lawyer over at University of Southern California, go Trojans, and she 
is a mental health advocate. And so I spoke with her to brainstorm advocacy efforts regarding electroconvulsive therapy or shock treatments. Because, well, I got the nerve to call her. She's one of my heroes, like I said, and I chose to actually make the call. And to my delight, she got my message and called me back, and now I actually have a plan of action for advocacy. So I'm really grateful for that. You can only do so much by way of Twitter. Let's see, what else? Oh, number four. I've been kind of struggling because I'm home by myself all day, and my dear sweetheart is away at work, and I'm working really hard to stay on track emotionally, and to get my books done, and to get my website going, and to find new teaching opportunities, but sometimes it can just really be lonely, and sometimes I feel like there's so much to do, I just don't have, none of my efforts are making a dent in what I need to get done. This morning, what went well was I chose to pull weeds in my backyard and I pulled in an hour. I worked for an hour and I pulled just a small two by three foot patch of weeds out of my <laughs> gnarled mess that's become my backyard. But it went well because I had to prove to myself that even small efforts can make a difference in a huge overwhelming problem. So there you have it. Those are my three things that went well. And now we have an exciting update from one of our loyal listeners. Her name is Mariah. And I actually know that I now know that I have several listeners named Mariah. So this is interesting. But this Mariah says, let's see, I got my hair cut finally. And that went well because I needed to treat myself and enjoy doing something a little different in my life to break up the monotony of it all. And then she says, number two, I am looking for another job so we can afford to live, and I've had five interviews so far. This is going well because I'm taking the time to make sure my resume fits the job description. I've worked hard in the past to build my education and work experience. Here's hoping to an offer. I got my fingers crossed, Mariah. And then number three, she says, I actually cleaned some dishes. That went well because, well, we ran out of all clean silverware and I was hungry. And number two, I listened to a podcast to be a timer and make the chore more enjoyable. Boy, I hear you. I clean my dishes, do my fold my laundry, and even pull weeds listening to inspiring podcasts. So if you have an idea for me, I'm always open for new ideas of good things to listen to. So yay, there we have it. Thank you, Mariah, so much for sharing with us your successes. And it's interesting, she mentioned that she doesn't live with any symptoms of mental illness, but she felt compelled to share her story. And you know what? You don't have to have symptoms of anything to write me an email. I am excited to hear from everyone. And this podcast is for anyone. You don't have to have an illness in order to participate. The thing I love about this podcast and, and becoming emotionally self-reliant is that every single person on this planet could stand developing that inner peace and that inner assurance, reassurance of who they are. And you don't need to have a diagnosis of any kind to need to, to be able to establish that for yourself. So here we are. We are delving into our wellness recovery action plan. And we've already talked about the daily maintenance plan and the triggers. So now I want to share with you the next chapter, which is chapter four. And we're talking about early warning signs. Now, early warning signs are things that you recognize occur 
when you begin to feel a little bit off track. Mary Ellen Copeland did an exceptional job at developing this rep plan for us. And you can find more information on her website and you can even order the book. Her website is mentalhealthrecovery.com. They have like nice videos and tips on how to develop your own wrap. And they have a variety of different wraps. They have wrap for veterans, wrap for families, wrap for people with chronic pain. And so really you can develop a wrap for any particular reason. And basically it just allows you to better understand when you might need help in your life and when you might need to slow down. So many of us just constantly keep our foot on the gas pedal and our nose to the grindstone that we forget that as humans, our bodies and our minds need to relax, need to breathe, need to take a step back, and need to just exist. Because if we don't take time to sharpen our saw, we are going to burn out. I don't care who you are. That's just part of being a human being. So early warning signs can be internal. They might not be obvious to other people, but they can also be external. I can think of a couple of my early warning signs that are definitely external. These things happen um, in related to stressful situations or related to perhaps you haven't been sleeping or perhaps you haven't been eating the way you'd like or perhaps the way you should. <laughs> I know I'm not eating the way I'd like, but I am eating the way I should. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. So sometimes in spite of our best efforts at staying well, um, we might begin to experience these early warning signs. It's interesting because the better we can become aware of our early warning signs, the more we can recognize, oh, now I'm starting to unravel. Let's, what can I do to get myself back on track? And so there are a variety of things that Mary Ellen uh, writes about in her Red Book. I just wanted to share a couple of these things with you, and then I'll kind of go into some of my early warning signs. So she says that some early warning signs that others have reported, and she can say others because when she developed this, she interviewed literally hundreds of people to develop this. So I really admire her research in this. But she says some early warning signs others have reported are anxiety, nervousness, forgetfulness, inability to experience pleasure, lack of motivation, feeling slowed down or feeling sped up, avoiding doing things on a daily maintenance list, being uncaring, avoiding others or isolating, maybe being obsessed with something that doesn't really matter, being irrational or having irrational thought patterns, or maybe, maybe feeling not really connected to your own body, uh, maybe you're increased, you started smoking more, or drinking more, maybe you're not keeping the appointments that you've set for yourself. Perhaps, this was a big one for me, perhaps you've started spending money on the unneeded items. Um, or maybe they're needed but you don't have the money for them so you shouldn't be buying them. There's impulsivity. Sometimes, I know this has actually become the case for me, it's kind of interesting because my symptoms have shifted from psychiatric symptoms to physical physical symptoms. So like for me, poor motor coordination can be a problem or just fatigue, aches, pains, stiffness, for me, dystonia, oh my goodness, muscle cramping. And this was a problem when I was on medications, excessive sweating, or just 
you know, feelings of discouragement. I mean, who hasn't felt discouraged, right? Maybe even beyond discouragement, but feeling hopeless. You're feeling hopeless. We need to help you too. Perhaps you're not really paying attention when you're driving, so you're missing exits or not really paying attention to people when they're talking to you. And so they're like, hello, are you listening? Maybe you're not eating enough or maybe you're eating too much. Mary Ellen Copeland talks about compulsive behaviors or feeling inadequate. I mean, how many times do you maybe feel like you're not quite up to this task? She goes into goes on to say perhaps you're feeling a little bit secretive about things that are going on in your life, or maybe you're resorting to kind of using some strategies which include manipulation or controlling. Maybe you're not talking up as much. You're being a little too quiet. My husband can always tell when I'm kind of starting to unravel because he's like, you're really quiet. Because normally I'm not. Another obvious easy early warning sign is when you begin to get easily frustrated for little to no reason. Or craving maybe past habits like uh, drugs or craving alcohol, craving excessive amounts of Oreos and covered in vanilla ice cream with strawberries and opposite almonds. Yes, I haven't had that in more than two years. But anyway, when those kinds of things happen, it's really good to have your your plan. So this is where the plan part comes in the wellness recovery action plan. You are going to create a simple plan of things that you can do when you begin to recognize your early warning signs. So for example, for me, one of the, my early warning signs is when I start uh, waking up between one and three in the morning, um, my doctor has taught me that that's the liver hour. And so if I'm starting to wake up between those hours, I've probably eaten something that was not good for my diet. It's actually feeding my toxic encephalopathy. And so when I wake up at that time, especially if I wake up and I can't go back to sleep, that means my liver is pushing out so much grossness that um, my body is having difficulty processing it. And so that's always an early warning sign for me. Another early warning sign for me is being very fidgety. Um, maybe I'll flick my fingers or play with my rings or pace a lot. And those can be unnerving for those around me because they know that I'm starting to unravel and they're like, is there anything we can do for you? You know, let's activate the wrap. It's good to have your own uh, list. Um, so I encourage you to take your next sheet of paper in your own wrap. We have the book. We'll be looking at my favorite number, page 27, to uh, make your own list of maybe things that are your own early warning signs. So just take a moment, you can even push pause here and, and write out some of your own early warning signs. It's really a good idea. If you have someone that you trust and you can brainstorm with them, maybe they recognize some of your early warning signs that perhaps you haven't. And so being able to have just a really good conversation with them to help yourself recognize some of your early warning signs these are the warning signs that pop up before maybe we even recognize what's going on. And so a lot of times our family members or our friends or roommates can recognize those things before we can. Becoming aware of them helps us to really figure out how to take better control and recognize when we are starting to bear off course. Because the faster we get back on course, the less of a detour we make.
that is recognizing your early warning signs. And then this is kind of an example of things I must do. So things you got to do, obviously, you got to turn back to the front of your wrap and look at that list of things that you chose to do on a daily basis and make sure that you're doing those things because those are the things you've already identified are going to keep you on track. Some of the things I have to do if I'm starting to have early warning signs is I really have to take a hard look at any of the foods I've eaten in the past three days because apparently yeast grows a lot slower than bacteria. And so for me, I can eat something one day and not be affected for another up to 72 hours. And so it's really important for me to take a hard look at what I've eaten in the past 72 hours. I wish it was as easy and simple as just saying, oh, I ate something and now I feel gross. But unfortunately, it's, oh, I ate something three days ago. I mean, who thinks of that? So it's really good for me to sit down and like take a hard look at what I've been putting in my body um, because those things can trigger problems. When I do that, then I recognize, okay, I have to go back on doing my own personal medication every four hours. That's the antifungal protocol that I'm on. And I have to be like set a timer strict about it because that way I can pull myself out of this. Maybe I need to talk to someone, talk to my doctor, talk to a friend, talk to my sweetheart, talk to a family member, just kind of brainstorm a list of things that you can do to get yourself back on track. I mentioned previously that I like to go blow bubbles at the beach or at the park or in my backyard and do breathing exercises. Those are all kinds of things, you know, you can look at your wellness toolbox and you can look at all of those things that you've already determined are helpful or could potentially be helpful and just kind of start going through those things. So maybe pick two or three strategies for the day to get yourself back on track. I know this morning I was feeling pretty down in the dumps. And so I knew that one thing I needed to do to get myself back on track was to read my scriptures. And I had determined that I wanted to read my scriptures. That was part of my daily action plan, but I had actually skipped for two days. And so I was like, oh, Price, you got to get back on track. Get back on track. So I, this morning, I sat down and I read my scriptures. And then I was still feeling in the dumps. And so that's when I chose to go and pull some weeds. And then I was still kind of feeling kind of dumpy. And then I realized, well, hello, Sarah, you need to record an episode. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do that too. So I could just show myself that I can change things. I can get back on track. I can be a change agent in my own life. I can take control. Yes, that's what I'm doing, folks. You can do it too. Let's see, what else? Oh, journaling. You know, just make a list of things that you can do to help yourself get back on track, whatever that is for you. And then you can make a list of things that you must do to get back on track. Like for me, I have to, if it's something that had to do with my diet and I got off track, I have to get back on taking my medicine every four hours. Or I have to talk to my sweetheart and let him at least know what's going on. Those are things I have to do. But things that I could try doing, you know, it's going to be different. Sometimes I might want to take a bath. Sometimes I might want to go pull weeds. Sometimes I might want to dance in my house and turn the music all the way up and sing until the windows shatter. You know, who knows? But you just got to 
figure out what's right for you in the moment when you're starting to unravel. Maybe it means taking a day off work, or maybe it means just taking a morning off work, or maybe if you haven't been working, maybe it means looking for a job. Ah, yes, reading a good book, or maybe going for a walk, just getting outside and feeling the sun on your face. I know that's the wrong time of year for some of you, but we can keep our eyes on the horizon. The sun will come up tomorrow. I will not break into song. I will spare you that. Okay, so now we've got our things you must do and things you can do if they feel right for you. You know, some of my friends and family members play instruments. I know that that's something that they can do. But after you've gotten that taken care of and you understand your early warning signs, you know, for me, sometimes I can get, you know, just do one or two things and get myself back on track. And sometimes, like today, I could not get back on track just reading my scriptures and just pulling weeds. I needed to do something more. So it's important to recognize, you know, when you need to do something more and when do you need to do something more because things are really breaking down. There's a difference. So sometimes in spite of our very best efforts, we might begin feeling worse and worse and worse. But if you're still able to make your own choices and do something on your own behalf, it's really important. And so it's necessary to take immediate action to prevent crisis. So, for example, the other night I was having difficulty falling asleep because yours truly chose to eat a cookie. And so I had all that sugar in me, and I really shouldn't have. But then, of course, I was having problems falling asleep. And I was so exhausted, and I was just laying there in bed realizing that if I did not get up and take the antifungal protocol, I would not fall asleep. So I knew I had to take immediate action. So finally, after about 20 minutes of battling this out in my own head, I got up. And I took the medicine and actually fell asleep within a half an hour. So that was awesome. What you're going to do now is you're going to have another piece of paper. So the next, or turn the page over, or page 29 in your red book. This is where you're going to outline how you can recognize when things are really breaking down. And you can write that, you know, when things are breaking down. And then make a list of signs which you feel mean that things are really breaking down. So, for example, previously, you know, I might play with my ring or twist it or whatever, or I might walk around my house but not pace like a caged animal or not, like, flick my hands uncontrollably and, and rock back and forth. Those are when I can recognize that things are really starting to break down. There's a huge difference. Understanding your own signs Here's some signs that Mary Ellen Copeland wrote from the people that she gathered. She said that when these signs obviously are going to vary person to person, probably even vary depending uh, on the person. Like sometimes one thing, you know, one day it might look like things are really breaking down when like if I'm like pacing back and forth because I'm anxious, obviously that's going to look different than pacing back and forth because I'm really happy and excited about something and I just can't wait to share it. So get to know yourself and get to know your loved ones. But this is what it could look like. You could, so she says, feeling oversensitive and fragile, or maybe having irrational responses to events and the actions of others. Now, I kind of take issue with that because sometimes people were feeling my actions were irrational when they seemed really rational to me. 
For example, I once had this dear friend who passed away that I looked at as a grandma, and I was absolutely devastated, crying my eyes out. And someone that I know said, well, it wasn't like she was your grandma. And I was like, so she was calling me irrational, and I just looked at her, and I was like, I guess you don't really understand the relationship I had with this woman and how connected I felt to this woman. So be careful when labeling other people irrational. Maybe feeling needy or being unable to sleep for uh, 24 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours. Obviously, it's going to be different for each person. Um, I know for me, when I missed a night's sleep when I was on medication, it was a lot more problematic than if I missed a night of sleep without being on medication. I'm not really certain why that is. I think maybe because taking the medication, my brain literally required like 10 to 12 hours of sleep so that it could reset itself. And I don't have the really intense sleep needs that I used to. Now I can get away with doing weeks of five and six hours of sleep. Um, and it's not an issue at all, actually. Um, sometimes people, when things are breaking down, they might have more pain or more headaches. Maybe they're sleeping all the time, the other end of the spectrum. Maybe they're not interested in eating at all. They totally want to be alone. Maybe they're doing risky behaviors like driving way too fast or choosing not to wear a helmet when they're on a motorcycle. Those kinds of things. Maybe there's an increase in, in substance use. Um, or maybe they're just having way too many, way too many uh, negative thoughts or voices. Inability to slow down. Maybe bizarre behaviors. I know there's a lot of weird things that can happen when your brain gets on fire. And the funny thing is they make complete sense to the person whose brain is on fire. But everyone else around them is like, uh, what's going on here? Spending excessive amounts of money. Whatever that dollar amount is for you, for me that's like five bucks, but let's see, food abuse, not having any feelings, um, maybe feeling paranoid. Um, obviously there's a difference between being paranoid or un, no, no, without reason and being extremely cautious because of a, you know, past history or understanding of things that you've had happen in the past. From there, once you have identified uh, these things, that indicate that things are breaking down for you, um, it's important to create a plan for yourself. Go ahead and take a moment to push pause and write down those things that indicate that things are breaking down for you. Go ahead and push play when you've finished. All right, thanks for taking a moment to stop and write down those things for yourself. And let's go ahead and think of a sample action plan. So. This is the action plan that Mary Ellen comes up with. I really like this action plan, and it's for that reason I'm going to share it with you because I find it very helpful. She says, call my doctor or other healthcare provider. Call and talk to a supporter. Maybe arrange for someone to stay with me around the clock until I feel better. Take action so I cannot hurt myself if I feel worse, such as giving my medications, my checkbook, my credit cards, car keys, or weapons to a designated friend. For safekeeping, um, make sure that I'm doing everything on my daily list, my daily checklist. Arrange and take at least three days off from any responsibilities. That includes being a mom and really talking to someone who can give you a mental health break from your beloved 
kiddos to bring yourself back in and then really take care of yourself during those three days so that you can just really like take a moment to breathe and pull yourself back in. Maybe do deep breathing exercises, do focusing exercises. Maybe you can write in your journal for at least a half an hour and ask yourself, you know, do I need a physical examination? If you're on medication, do I need to get a dosage adjustment? Is my medication too much? Is Am I having an adverse reaction? Who do I need to talk to about this? And being very frank and honest with whoever it is that you're talking with. Those are the things that you can do to kind of create that action plan. It is a plan of attack for you. And it's important to have these plans ahead of time because that way you can share them with others that you trust. And when things begin unraveling so many times, it's hard to just pull these strategies out of your hat when your brain is on fire. And having them written down, not only is it a good resource for you, but it's a good resource for those who care about you and your loved ones, because they can look at it and say, oh, you know, these are some of the things that can help Sarah, for example, in this situation. Let's try to encourage her to do these things that she's already chosen to do. So there is episode nine of the series in the Wellness Recovery Action Plan here at the Emotional Self-Reliance podcast. Please, if you have any ideas that you want to share with me, or if you want to share your successes with me, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email is the Emotional Self-Reliance podcast at gmail.com. I love to hear from you. And then if you're interested, you can check out the a podcast that I was on earlier this week at Latter-day Lives, and you can find that again on my website. I'll work on getting the show notes up for this episode. Thank you so much. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Remember, there is no deadline on potential, so get out there and have some fun. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Emotional Self-Reliance Podcast. For more information about this episode, check the show notes on www.psychrecoveryandrehab.com slash ESR podcast. Was this episode helpful? Leave a review and share with a friend. Keep exploring wellness tools to empower achieving your fullest potential by tuning into our weekly episodes. Until then, take care.